Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch here on the Intercut Podcast channel. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he commands you to enjoy the moment. It's Arturo Zurita. Zach, the honorary... Uh, fist pump. Yeah. Boom. We could do more of the, the nope thing. The nope thing and the yeah. We did that last oh, time we, we were here too, the frozen time. snowball toss. Knocking out the mic. Yeah, hopefully we don't do that. But yeah, oh. back in the same room. Yes, more than one time per year. We, well, we've been in the same room the entire week. Uh, we've been here for the New York International. Is it mm-hmm. International? New York Film Festival. Just the New York even, Film, yeah, yeah, just film they don't Festival. Yeah, bother with the International. Uh, and they've been doing a great job of just... Uh, Having us all the press screenings on one go, we've been knocking out as many as we can, mm-hmm. seeing a bunch of Broadway shows in mm-hmm. between, trying to, a lot of different foods. Yeah, we. we oh, <laughs> uh, something falling over. Uh, we've been told to do more intercut theater catch up, so maybe we got to do a little bit of it. We got the Tony winners. We yeah. To, we're trying to see if we can sneak a huge Jack movie before he completely <laughs> takes him away, but no, it's been awesome being back in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glad to have you. It's been pretty gloomy. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind it. Because it was a hot summer. True. But every New Yorker and everyone who's visiting really minds it. I was like, we're about to be in a room, though, for yeah. two hours. Well, it's so not okay the most it. fun city to navigate in the rain because, like, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a lot of walk-in and then you're just, like, gloomy. And now it's also, like, colder than we're all used to. But, like, you're, you're from it's, Chicago. You're used to the cold. It's perfect. Movie festival weather. <laughs> That's true. It's good weather to be inside was, for. If it was super hot outside, then everyone would be complaining, why are we going inside? So, right, right. I'd say that's a good thing. But. Yeah, it's, it's been nice. It's been a good week for uh, watching movies. I've enjoyed showing you the New York Film Festival way, which is a little bit different, especially for us as press. Like We are used to and have talked about how we try to stuff as many movies in as possible. We marathon Sundance. We we kill TIFF every year. New York kind of forces you to take things a little more slowly. We've had some, like, four movie days, but beyond that, it's mostly, like, two or three or sometimes even one because mm-hmm. they just... they don't have multiple press screenings of movies. They really spread them out over, I think it's like a four-week schedule, so... Around that, yeah. Yeah. Um, how have you enjoyed the sort of, like, change in pace in terms of how this festival goes? Yeah. I made a Sundance video about, like, how to go to Sundance. I haven't really made one for TIFF yet. Uh, the New York one would be completely different from all the other ones mm-hmm. as well. Like you said, the press thing is completely different. It obviously doesn't apply to everybody, but usually you're there trying yeah. to... Uh, see the press schedule, which has two showings at the same time, and maybe you need to go get a public one. Here, it's all done for you. Yeah. The whole list, for those who can see it right there, has <laughs> just been this very simple, day by day, just outputting of nothing will overlap each other. It's all going to be in the same theater. The uh, the volunteers killed it. They've been doing a fantastic job with out of all the film festivals we've been in. There's just something about the volunteers here in New York that just take it extra seriously. Uh, so I've been really appreciating that. And uh, it's just been really good presentations of all of the movies and just uh, the, the flow of it has been really nice. So I can't yeah. complain there. It's, <laughs> it's been the easiest. Usually we're, you know when we do our whole like map out thing and we've got squares and we're trying to see, can we levitate, can we teleport from this place to this place? You just stick into one spot right there at the Lincoln Center. Exactly. And, and it's all good. Yeah, uh, another thing, like even with press versus public, like the public schedule is also a little more spread out because Very nice. whereas a lot of film festivals take place over a long weekend, over 10 days as Sundance and TIFF do, this one takes place over like two and a half weeks. So And then instead of being one big showing and if you can't fit in that, you can't fit in that, they'll do like there was like five white right. noise screenings in one night. If you but then it's also, one. that's it. They do, I think they did those five white noise showings on opening night. Which is really, if you're not here for cool it, then, though, yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it means that more people are going to get in and it's not quite as hard to snag yeah. one of those tickets sometimes. Although they, they were sold out still. Yeah. That being said, like you have to be here for the duration of the festival or you're not going to be able to catch all the movies. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I know you're not sticking around for that last week, have, yeah. but you've got Chicago coming up too and there'll be a plenty of stuff there. there. So we're going to keep talking about film festival movies as we get into uh, the later months of the year towards award season and all that. We're going to get into a fuller New York recap once we're done with all the movies at New York, we're still seeing some more today, tomorrow, the rest of this week. Uh, but there are some movies we do want to talk about, some shows we want to talk about, stuff we're going to put on your radar. We're going to talk about each of us uh, have a top five 
of what to watch. A little bit of a, like a what to watch guide heading into October. Yep. What's out already that you should uh, catch that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet or talk to, about together yet. So mm-hmm. um, I've got my five. I know you got your five. Anywhere you want to start out? Uh, if you want to start out with a little comedy, I know it's one that you have yet to see. Mm-hmm. And I want to definitely put it on your radar. Uh, Billy Eichner's Bros was a movie that uh, a lot of people were anticipating, but then it came out, <laughs> and everyone's against it just because it didn't do the num- it didn't do Endgame numbers or something. But yeah. this was one that I know premiered at TIFF, and a lot of people were able to catch it there. Uh, I was able to go to an early screening of it. It is now out uh, this weekend. It did not beat the big horror film, but I don't think that's the point of this movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think that out of uh, a lot of the comedies that we tend to get on a yearly basis, especially the Judd Apatow ones, this one was pretty solid. Uh, in that front, it's also able to come at it from a different angle and being able to see, you know, not just the bro side of it, but Billy Eichner's perspective of it. He's also a very much an individual who is, you know, loud and out there, and and because it's him narrating uh, a version of himself practically, because mm-hmm. he he is famous in the movie, he is a podcaster. Um, you're able to see his perspective of how he's kind of maneuvered being in New York City and his love life. I also think that um, watching this before coming to New York, he's practically walked. The whole movie is is in the vein of the classics, like uh, You've Got Mail, uh, Sleepless in Seattle. He watches all of those movies there. It's like uh, he's homaging all of those and being able to use New York City as the character. So seeing him walk through everything in the city and then coming to the city and walking all of those things, uh, it was a good prep leading up to it. But totally. I'd say catch this one in theaters if you can. I think this is one that definitely can be enjoyed with an audience t- t- to the max because of a lot of the jokes that hit. Um, I know it didn't do as well, but I think, you know, be it in upcoming weeks or when it's out on VOD, I, I don't think it should be a deciding factor that Billy Eichner can't open a movie when this is the first movie I think Billy Eichner's ever opened. It's weird because I, I think, I'm trying to think about other movies that have come out this year, and like, Top Gun box office was a story, but that's mostly because it was such a huge success, um, and maybe... different. You know, there's some weird corners of the internet that care about, like, how much money Batman made and how much money Doctor Strange made. But, like, other than those gigantic blockbusters, box office hasn't really been, like, a huge talking point about a movie, or, like, maybe the central talking point about a movie, aside from this one. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, where the fault is, if that's Billy and the team behind Bros' fault for, like pushing this movie has to be a success so much that like it became the story or just people wanting to like cut it at the knees and like belittle it and yeah. talk about that in terms of like whether or not or not it's successful the same way that like i, I don't know they, they do to people who they want to declare are not like big deals right woman king had the same thing because they both came out that's I, true too i yeah. would disagree I understand the push. It's your movie. Their producers on it. Viola for hers and Billy for his. Uh, but there is a point where you're 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 marketing it to a degree where people are gonna want to see you fail. Mm-hmm. And I think Woman King was the perfect example of a movie that did not fail because it it actually made decent amount of money for its mm-hmm. opening week. It didn't like do a hundred mil or anything. Right. But so many people were against that movie that they took everything she said about you know you not supporting this movie means we're not gonna see more like that. Billy did the same thing. I get what they're saying. I don't think it's the smartest strategy because you need those people to also see your movie. Like, that's part of the revenue that comes in. You want to make a movie that's accessible to the point where you're able to have a box office hit. And I don't know if the marketing is what veered a lot of people out of the way. Maybe Billy wasn't in the streets as much as he should have been. He did one little ad for it, but... Yeah. I, like, I gotta say, I've, I've heard nothing but positive things. Not a single negative review from anybody that I talked to. But you didn't like? I didn't like the trailer. I I didn't think the jokes in the trailer were good. And I've heard some from some people who are like, I agree, there's plenty of jokes it, in the movie that are very good. It's like the Bodies trailer. It mm-hmm. did it completely dirty. And then you yeah. go watch the movie and you're like, oh, this is a completely different tone. Uh, no, I, I would say that bros, be it... Uh, later on or when it's out on VOD or I don't even know everything hits streaming services way too fast <laughs> did I tell you don't worry darling which I don't think we're going to be speaking about November already HBO Max HBO Max HBO not even VOD Max. not even PVOD Damn. and that came from the rap in the Hollywood Reporter so uh, Bros is universal if I'm not mistaken if you didn't mm. catch it in theaters yeah. I'd say at least catch it on Peacock because I, I think it's a funny movie I'm still trying to catch that one in theaters because I I 
like Nicholas Stoller a lot, the director who's directed some of my favorite comedies in the last like 10, 15 years or whatever. And I like Billy Eckner a lot too. I, I don't know how he's going to be in this role, but like I, I'm open to it and I think he's very funny. And again, like I've heard nothing but positive things. So yeah, it's. I wish there were more comedies in theaters generally. Right? Simple. It's, it, there haven't been a lot. It's been one of the genres that has been a little bit, like, sidelined in the last, like, or the recent trends of Hollywood. And it's it's fun to see a collective movie that people are laughing at together. And we don't get that as much as people, we used to. People want to go get scared and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of the funny, I think people stay at home for what's funny. Yeah. That's where comedy is really thriving right now. And uh, it's where a lot of comedies that we like are coming back for the fall. And I think the most notable comedy that's on its way back right now is Abbott Elementary. Winning. Yeah, the recent Emmy-winning sensation on ABC and Hulu for a lot of people. Uh, It's just a wonderful, like, I don't know. It's like the... It's a wonderful place to hang out, right? Like, we've talked about this plenty of times on the podcast, but, like, the workplace sitcom where you can just sort of spend some time with familiar characters is such like a nice presence to have and we don't have a lot of great ones right now abbott in its second season is delivering that and i i feel like already it's it's on a new level like it's um it's managed to take the things that were so great about its first season and through these first two episodes i feel like it's almost refined it a little bit made it a little bit clearer, a little bit more, like, harder hitting. Um, I think there's a little bit more scale shown, too, in some of the things they do in some of the set pieces, whether it's, like, the boot on Janice's car as soon as uh, when Gritty shows up, or uh, I don't know, like, going to another school in the second episode. There's all this all this kind of stuff happening that makes me think, is this, like, early seasons of The Office where it was pretty funny in the beginning but then when they really figured out what they were doing by season three that show was really hitting and i i don't know we were both worried that maybe abbott was going to be running themselves thin a little bit too soon they they were picked up for that full like 22 or 24 episode season order and you know we don't we want the show to be able to last but if the beginning of season two is any indication they're just ready to step up to another level right now this would be in my top five as well. I decided bros to keep it with movies, but Abbott Elementary is, like you said, when you want to relax, that's the show to put on. And even more than that, uh, you had made a TikTok, I think, last year for mm-hmm. the last season, kind yeah. of compiling how they are able Some to do writing, yeah. running jokes and stuff. Here, like, it's not even the running jokes. It's, it's freeze-framing on certain things right from the beginning that I'm not catching until I'm seeing screenshots on Twitter. And I'm like, yo, that man really left with the inflatable ma- uh, mattress inflated already. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it has people building up like, did he take it because he's that dumb? Or no, he's actually smart because they had to split the, uh, she kept the pump, he needed it already inflated. And it's just like a bunch of little tiny yeah. gags that I think uh, really helped the show feel very lived in. Um, and just continuing storyline from the past season, I think mm-hmm. it's really good. Abbott Elementary, uh, I think, gets my weekly recommendation. I was telling Zach, I'm not one to have weekly recommendations, mm-hmm. but I was looking through the shows and I'm like, I have a weekly slew of shows now. Yeah. I mean, TV is really it's stepping good. up. There's so much happening right now that it's it's hard to keep up. I know, like, two shows that we don't have on our top fives, but, I mean, I, honestly, I might put one of them on mine. Uh, and for the main reason that, like, we haven't had a chance to sit down and catch up with them. Like, I am curious about the Lord of the Rings show. I've seen a little bit of it, and I think it's good, and I've heard it's only getting better recently. Haven't seen enough that I feel like I can recommend it, and or I do feel like I've seen enough that I can recommend it. And even though I'm now, I think I'm now behind a little bit. Like You saw the four episodes, right? I I only saw the three. I only had, yeah. So... I don't know, but it just feels like such a different vibe than any of these Star, Bo- Star Wars shows we've gotten now. Uh, it comes written from Tony Gilroy, and I think if you're a fan of films like the Bourne trilogy that he wrote, or Michael Clayton, which is one of my favorite movies that he wrote and directed, there's a similar sort of like conspiratorial hushed tones vibe yeah. that I'm really digging, right? Like these are people who are like ma- making big decisions, but doing it in like, very like 
seedy uh, back alleys and stuff like that, if makes sense. And it's just like a different perspective to bring to a space adventure than we typically get, which is so like watered down to the point that you, it needs to appeal to all ages. And this, like, I, I right, like, I, I, it's not that it's not going to be enjoyable for like children or like teenagers and stuff. It but might not be. It, it, it might not be, right, that's the thing. Be. Like, it actually is the first one of these that does feel a little bit tailored to more of an adult eye. It's not your grandpa's Star Wars, yeah. I like that. Yeah. It doesn't feel like you're seeing an ad for, like, the theme park to be like, oh, yeah, this is clearly going to be the part of the theme park where I get to walk through and do all of these different things. This, like Rogue, uh, Rogue One, right, the movie? Yeah. I think is visually the best that they've had Star Wars looking in a while. I know people love Mando, but I'm talking like the actual practical effects, the way that they're building these cities, the way that they're walking through all of this, it looks fantastic. I also think that the characters that they have finally feel like really full-fledged characters, mm-hmm. people who live within this universe, that don't feel the need to be connecting back to the same saga lore that we've been talking about. I know that Taika's working on his uh, movie, TV show? The movie, I think. Something Star Wars, yeah. it's like, I'm not gonna talk about any of them, and at what point is it so far gone that it's not related? This is the perfect example of still being within that world because we know what happens to these characters yeah. uh, for the movie. And I think that it's because of that that you're able to have very interesting storylines within this world because, I don't want to say they don't matter, um, but you have wiggle room to play with something. And I don't know, I think it's kind of exciting because even with Mando, uh, I know that the Boba Fett show, like something that climaxed in Mando was then kind of resolved in the Boba Fett show. Kind of like we had Logan and now we have Logan again coming back, even though we had a perfect ending with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if this seems like Disney actually doing something new and refreshing in the most gloomiest way possible right. with Andor. Because uh, it's also 13 episodes. Which Is it? it it's, I don't know, you got to pull it up right there. It, it's like oh, yeah. more than I expected for a season one or something. Yeah, they got 12 listed here, but like still, that's, that's, that's healthy. That's very healthy, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm actually curious to watch this one. More than all the other ones, so. Yeah, same, same. All right, so I got Andor on my top five of uh, what to watch. All right, what else you got? Uh, Moving into my number four is Smile. We got to go see this one together Mm -hmm. a little early at the uh, Lincoln Center Theater, which, if I just may, Avatar is out in theaters. Two-week engagement, 3D. I told Zach how excited I was to go see it. Zach just kept scoffing me off. He's like, what do you want to go see the Blue People movie? I was like, it's back, bro. It's in 4K. Uh, we kept delaying it because we actually have some New York Film Festival movies to watch here in this in this place. But I wanted to see Avatar in the big AMC Lincoln Center IMAX, right? Mm-hmm. You lucky bees over here are able to just go and use your A-list, no $27.99 that you have to pay for it, to see the biggest IMAX screen that we have here in the United States of America. I show up to my screening on a rainy day. They cut the 3D. They're like, it's no 3D. The guy in front of me stormed to the box office. Like, all right, we'll, we'll deal with this. We go and we sit down. Got perfect seats. They mess up the, the, the ratio ad thing. I was like, this doesn't look good. Zach, it's not in 3D. I don't think that thing was in 4K. It felt like someone got a DVD copy of the movie, connected it to the projector. That thing didn't even fill the screen. You know when you're editing on Premiere and you drop a file that isn't in HD, so it's like too tiny, there's a border around it? That's what I was watching at AMC Lincoln Center for Avatar. I might as well have gone home and seen the Blu-ray that I got. There would have been more detail there. Uh, it was the most disappointing experience. I was, I was ready to leave. I know. But the Navi fandom <laughs> was there for it. Like, they did not care. Yeah. They were reciting lines. They already know really? who gets it. In the- Zach, there's a moment where they speak Navi in the movie, but they don't translate it. And someone knew what it was, because I guess they had finished their Duolingo courses, <laughs> and they laughed at it, and then chuckled and commented about that line in Navi to their partner. It, it's intense, man. The fandom is, is a lot stronger I wish than I knew I... Navi just so I could say something right. Bit. But, uh, I mean, people were still excited to see it. The, I mean, this had the highest per screen average. It's insane. It's another 30. And, and, a, and a girl was talking about, uh, does it get added back to its theatrical score? Yeah. Uh, it's box office thing is it is that's yeah. how endgame was able to make more money right. uh, the spider-man more fun stuff there's no other reason for that other than to make more money this is 100 uh because avatar 2 is coming out and he wants to make sure that you're refreshed for it yep. um it is going to be adding to it but 
uh, it wasn't the experience I wanted it to be, but you know, I'm refreshed in the Avatar lore. I don't know where they're going to take it. If you do end up seeing it, please try to catch it in 3D. Let me know if it's worth it, because I saw a version that felt like I needed my 3D glasses, they just didn't hand them out. Uh, from um, one, of the, one of the best theaters in New York, you just really hope for you better. You know I'm always looking forward to yeah. the theater to watch something there, and I have not. Please, AMC gods, play Nope before I leave or something, but um, yeah, that was my AMC experience. My other AMC experience was going to the basement of this AMC that I didn't even know existed. You didn't even know it existed. I mean, I knew it existed, but I thought they were weren't they weren't using it or something. It's almost always like the escalator doesn't work and like they don't I send you that down, was a there. System down there. The way that they they had titled some of the stuff. Smile had an early screening that we yeah. got to go see in the basement of what looked like the set of Phantom of the Multiplex, and it was jam packed. People were there. Uh, and the crew was there, too. There was some VFX people mm. who stayed throughout the credits and were cheering for everything. Um, and it turned out that they were part of the team, which, as we just learned, literally off of an interview, everything in this movie is somehow, you still not believe it, somehow practical. I just don't... I, I don't... Bother. I don't see how that's possible. Yeah, there's a couple moments that, like, I, d I feel like most of it's practical. A lot of it's practical. The climax of this movie is not practical. There's no way. All I know is that it looked freaking insane. <laughs> uh, story to the side, it's really a simple thing about, you know, someone gets a really creepy smile, and if they see somebody else, they commit uh, an atrocious act on themselves, and that causes this uh, ripple effect between people that as, as long as they see somebody else smile and commit this act, they then too have uh, a certain amount of time before it happens to them, mm -hmm. unless it gets spread. It's, ring rules. It's ring rules. Yeah, it's a pretty simple premise. Uh, the acting, I think, was decent enough. You got A-Train from The Boys. You have, who I didn't know. I've seen her from some shows, but you're telling me it's... Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedwick's daughter, Sozie Bacon? Okay, sure. She's been in a couple of other stuff. Yeah. I really liked her in a Prime show that she was in. I thought she was decent in this movie. She's got a good horror yeah. scream face. Um, but again, it's those practical effects. It's a lot of what the movie builds up. Uh... I know you had described it as a particular type of movie. <laughs> well, yeah, my view of it is it's like a really well done version of a movie I really don't like. You know, like I there's a there's a certain type of horror movie that's like purposefully abrasive. It, it wants to disturb you and upset you and unsettle you, and then it'll use jump scares and it uses like horrific imagery and it's it's loud too and yeah. like i'm not saying those are things that are bad it's just things i don't enjoy because i don't enjoy feeling that way the sim similar to how i'm not a big roller coaster person like okay. i it just like i don't like my body reacting physically uh -huh. you know, like it, those 5g's hitting you <laughs> exactly um and like it there are people who love that stuff and I think they'll really enjoy it because I think the jump scares aren't cheap. They're effective here, right? And, the, and there is like a really palpable sense of like paranoia and like a, just an unsettling feeling to everything that's happening. It, it works well, I think. And like you said, like it does feel practical and, and work. Um, but I don't know. It, it just, it, it is up, upsetting, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. It I thought it was a really good horror movie in the sense that everyone who we were watching with was reacting to it. Yeah. Uh, we had, I told you there was a dude who was sitting next to us and he was a genius. He was on a date and he pretended to watch me like this, right? So half the screen was covered. <laughs> and then he had his phone responding to the exact same text for like five minutes straight. And his girl was watching the whole thing scared as can be. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the scene was done, he'd be like, what why, why, why are you so scared? And uh, by the end of it, he thought it was his favorite movie, not having seen a single lick of the film at all. Um, and because of that, uh, I would recommend watching this movie with an audience, seeing the reaction a lot of people have, and you're 100% right. It is guilty of every horror cliche. But something about the movie makes it work because yeah. of the state that she is in. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend it. It's definitely on the gory side. But do, you feel like, do you feel like this is going to be one that's remembered, you know... As like some kind of like, I don't know, is this one that's going to last a couple of years? Or is this just so. the latest I, kind of fun it, horror movie? It's, it's a mixture of both somehow. Because yeah. like, Truth or Dare is mm. what I got a vibe off of mm. for a lot of the trailers. Right. When they kept like putting it in your face and everything. And that was a Blumhouse one that, that was kind of just like a splash in the pan and was just left there. Um, 
I see it having as much traction as that, mainly because I do think that the visual effects that they bring into it are worthy of it. I think those are gonna age beautifully. I wanna see it again, just because the one that we saw it in was really dark and I can't imagine Adobe Theater, um, how well they would have projected this. Mm -hmm. For the effects alone, uh, and I think the story is decent enough, I would recommend it. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how yeah. it does once it's done. Any, any horror fan should enjoy it. And, and especially... it made money. No, people were out mm -hmm. there for it. That was mm -hmm. the big thing. Uh, I know they were comparing it to the Black Phone, which was another one mm -hmm. that made a decent amount of money coming in. So I could see this very much, uh, especially now that we're in October, it crossing 100 mil. Because what, what other horror movie is? It's Black Adam? <laughs> And Lalo Crocodile. Yeah, it bros. Like, <laughs> but like in terms of horror movies in theaters, that's yeah. gonna be the one to catch. So exactly, um, no, it's it's a perfectly timed release yeah. for this kind of movie. Too. So I'm a little more positive than you are. Yeah, but I still think like if this is like if you see the trailer for Smile and you want to see Smile, yeah. you should see it. I thought it was gonna be a lot worse. Though. Yeah, same. Uh, my final point here is y'all don't mess around with that Nicole Kidman ad, bro. <laughs> No, no, um, New York shows out for the uh, Nicole Kidman ad. I thought it was a bit. I yeah. thought it was a joke, but every single one that Nicole Kidman, people were standing up. They were giving her salutes. <laughs> uh, obviously, SNL has their, their tribute mm -hmm. eight months later to the, to the meme. Damn, bro, we were at the Angelica, and I swear someone was ready to just play it on their phone just to get the full experience. Yeah, especially uh, with the right kind of crowd. Like, there are some people who are just, like, cheering for it. Reciting it. Reciting it, just, like, loudly reciting it, too. But it's it makes you really excited for the movie. It's, it, the thing that's cool is, like, it's the only thing, only time I've ever experienced something that feels like being at a film festival outside of a that, film festival. So we don't we don't do that in Chicago. Yeah, we we like audibly groan when it comes out <laughs> because we're like, oh, that's another two minutes that we have to wait. Yeah. to play the movie. <laughs> but here, if it doesn't play, I feel like that's when people exactly turn up being in three D. No worries. But missing that ad, oh, we got a problem. Yeah, no, I'm not going to the movies if Nicole Kidman oh, isn't welcoming goodness. me to the theater. So, yeah, that's that's, that's been the funniest uh, audience reaction <laughs> so far. All right, uh, let's move to some movies that are available on streaming. I have a pick that is now available on Amazon Prime Video. It's the latest movie from Lena Dunham, the mm -hmm. second Lena Dunham movie we've gotten this year. Uh, it's called Catherine Called Birdie. And I thought this was quite delightful. I, I thought this was a really fun time. It's about a 14-year-old girl in medieval England navigating her life and particularly the uh, potential husbands that her father's putting forth as her father thinks she's of age to be married off. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's so... You have this very funny dynamic of this 14-year-old girl who's spunky and rebellious, sort of self-sabotaging all these potential suitor uh, relationships. And it, it just, like, takes the setting and just has this, like, subversive edge to it that I feel like would be extremely fun to watch as a young person, right? If, yeah. Uh, I, I, I try my best to put myself in the shoes of the person who this movie is it's being amazing. sold to, right? And it's being sold to, like, a, a teenage, probably girl, but just teenagers in general crowd. And I feel like it's just... It's a little bit like there's some rough edges to it. It's not like it, it's not pretending things don't exist, like uh, like sexual stuff or dirtier stuff. And it, I think it's got enough um, heart to it that I don't know. It, it's very winning, and the performances are great. I thought that uh, our future uh, Bella Ramsey. Yeah, what's her uh, name of The Last of Us again? Our future uh, Ellie. Ellie, yeah. Yeah, Bella Ramsey was quite good here. She's fantastic. Uh, killed in Thrones. She's. I thought she was really good in this. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew Scott was also fantastic as her yeah, father. They clear. Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham. Excuse me. Lena Dunham clearly likes Fleabag because she cast <laughs> not just Andrew Scott but the other boyfriend yeah. in like a smaller role in this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just really fun. I had a good time with it. Even like. All the little bits of text on screen are very cute. It does. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Dickinson. I haven't. Full, I've only seen episodes of Dickinson. Only I know that's one. another one that kind of does like a flip on that of mm -hmm. almost feeling more modernized and then dipping back into its yeah. setting. Uh, I like that they had that in this movie. It's also her second movie this year. Cause yeah, after Sharpstick Sharp earlier. I think this one's much better than Sharpstick. I'm not one who hates Sharpstick. Yeah. I know how no, I don't either. Movie is, but this is definitely the better of the two uh, main releases that she's had. Uh, it's going to be on Prime, if I'm not mistaken. 
I think it's on Prime now, actually. Already? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I really like that perspective of seeing it from her angle and learning new things. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't hide. They don't make it things as explicit. But you see her observing things, how she learns to be wittier, how she learns to be cl- uh, more clever uh, by the people around her and how they like manipulate each other and such. And I don't know. That's always fascinating to watch. So I'd, I'd give this one the thumbs up as well. Dope. All right. Uh, there is another movie available on streaming, even though it calls itself a series. A series? Uh, talk to me a little bit about the latest Kid Cudi adventure. Yeah, the Kid Cudi intergalactic movie that was originally a series. It is chopped up for like every 10 minutes. It kind of gives you like another title. So I feel like at one point they were going to make it a show. Then they decided to just make it a, uh, a movie. But he called it season one. So uh, Intergalactic, if you've been following Kid Cudi, he, he's been mentioning all this stuff. He's got this whole aesthetic with the Man on the Moon series. Um, and this is kind of an amalgamation of a lot of the songs that he's done being put together for a story where he is a comic book writer who's taking the Mr. Rager character, another one of his famous songs, uh, and has been able to sell it to become this big comic book series. He's living in New York. And it's a mixture of what his future is going to be and then also sticking to his past, his ex-girlfriend, the buddies that he has. Is he going to be moving forward? Is moving forward going to keep him locked up and ruin his creativity? Or uh, is staying with his boys kind of what's limiting him? There's a bunch of new songs from Kid Cudi in this as well. Uh, They're more ballads. It's not as much like hip-hop stuff? or It's... More ballads. <laughs> More on the singing side yeah, yeah. than this rapping uh, side. Because a lot of them, I feel, are for the, the relationship moments that him and uh, Jessica's character have. But Timothy Chalamet is also in there. Uh, we've been joking that this is Timmy wanting to be exactly <laughs> who he wants to come off as. I think he's uh, he's not Timmy, but he's Jimmy. Jimmy? Uh, two Chains, or not Two Chains. Uh, Ty Dolla Sign? Ty Dolla Sign also plays one of his buddies. I don't know who Christopher Abbott voiced specifically. Reed? But he, he's in the, the thing as well. It's just a stacked cast, but it's the animation that I think is, is what people are going to like. Yeah. I know everyone always connects it back to Spider-Verse. And what it is is that Spider-Verse just opened it up for companies to fund and take chances on this style of animation. That not everything needed to look that Pixar route. Mm-hmm. This is definitely an adult series. And with it being an adult series, it's able to be more creative in an adult way. That's what I really enjoyed about it. Cool. Um, so I would check it out. I think it's it's beautifully animated. The story, like I said, is split into 10-minute segments. Um, so it could easily be a series. You could watch it as a series if you want. Uh, but I would recommend it. It's up on Netflix, and I think he has an adjacent album with all of the new singles coming out as well. Oh, really? Cool, cool. You a big Cuddy fan historically? I'm a big Cuddy fan historically. It, I feel like if you're a Kanye fan, he's so adjacent that you almost, <laughs> by default, become... <laughs> they so hate each other. Yeah, e- yeah even despite their differences, like... The, that friendship was strong for a while. Yeah, 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 808s yeah. is one of my favorite Yay albums specifically because it's it's his. It really is Cuddy's. Uh, but yeah, just listening to Cuddy's even before he had Man on the Moon. Um, that's awesome. He, I know he's been wanting to work on animation for a while, so it's really cool totally. the way he's able to blend the, the, the two of them in here. So Intergalactic out on Netflix as a series, as a movie. I don't know. I think there's more to come. Absolutely. All right, let's go back to TV because there's more stuff to talk about. It's it's never ending. There's too much TV. Landgraf said that about TV like I feel like ten years ago now, and it's only like doubled, tripled. I feel like since then it's impossible. Episode six. (laughs) Are you still watching She-Hulk? Kinda. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I'm still watching She-Hulk, bro. It's Tatiana. Did you see who was in the last episode? This is really quick. You see who was in the last episode? It's it's not Daredevil. Everybody's talking about Harrison. Oh, oh yeah, no, Patty's on it. Did you see the Instagram post? Yes, I saw the Instagram post. It was funnier than the entire episode. Look, I'm there to see them both get their bags. Do I like the show? No. No. Yeah. The CGI is horrendous, but I'm there. I'm watching for Tatiana. Yeah. The Daredevil thing. I could not care less. Make a show. I don't care. <laughs> Isn't that such a cop out? This show is about me and not mm-hmm. other cameos. Quick, 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 quick. Someone show Daredevil. Every episode. Where, where, Wongo? <laughs> You've been watching a show that yes. I heard has been hard to watch again. Literally. <laughs> I mean, it, I don't know if it's like quite as dark as the Long Night got, but there were some darker moments on the most recent episode. I gotta say, looked pretty okay on my TV, and it's, it's not the newest TV, so maybe, maybe you gotta adjust some jet settings or, or turn off some lights or, or close the blinds. Or don't or, watch it on an iPad. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it it was one extended sequence in the most recent episode, but I, I still feel like 
House of the Dragon for me is hitting in the ways that I want a Game of Thrones style show to hit. Uh, I think you haven't gotten to past the time jump yet. Since I came over to right. New York, I've been missing the last episode. Yeah, so uh, we're both still really enjoying it through the first five. I've seen the first seven. I think they're still really managing uh, all the like intricacies of the political power dynamics and the the family feuds that fuel them uh, really well. The thing that I think is really striking about how House of the Dragons has progressed versus how Thrones did up until like its last two seasons is just how much time they're covering, but they're doing it so much more effectively in House of the Dragon than they did in those late Thrones seasons. Like it, It's really cool to really get a sense of like, we, we now have like a short history already through the first seven episodes it's been you know 15-ish years I think yeah. in the history in the timeline of the show because you've had two time jumps one that didn't really switch the characters they yeah. just got older and then I, I'm i hoping that the new cast is good because that's been my only thing I right. really really like Millie really Al- liked the, the Alcock I think her name is yeah. Millie Alcock she yeah really she's good. so good as the younger Renera. Um, and I, I like Emma Darcy too, so I I think I need to give her a little more time in the role. The other thing that's cool about the time jump is now we get to Olivia Cook, Alicent, and I'm really enjoying. Like, she's a great actress. She's a great actress, and they're kind of giving her the Cersei role in that she's like the the darker, manipulative queen. I mean, you saw that building up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I really love her in the part. Um, I am like worried it's interesting I'm worried about some of my favorite actors potentially not having long runs on the show but I don't know I don't know where it's gonna go and it does consistently surprise me um especially how much they're leaning into incest they're like that's the thing people really wanted from Game of Thrones is more incest they ran the numbers and they're like yeah the most rewatched episodes we got the watch time I don't know it's I don't know it's just kind of delicious in the way that it sets people up and has people stabbing each other in the back and um, I'm also really enjoying just like getting the breakdowns from Alt Shift X who I think does like, oh, yeah. an awesome awesome job and just like deepening my appreciation for the show mm-hmm. as well it, it's just a fun time and I'm, I'm glad to have that back in my life every week no it's out of all of the shows that I have on a weekly basis without a doubt this is number one yeah uh, the only reason I haven't seen it and I've caught up on the Atlanta episodes is just because I, I, that's the one show yeah. where I appreciate it so much I love Atlanta but I could rewatch Atlanta like that. Mm. I want to make sure the first time I'm watching those Thrones episodes is uh, is back at home. That's Absolutely. Right. Well, okay. there there are some shows on Hulu that uh, you've got on your list as well. Should mm-hmm. we talk about those? In my top two, both Hulu originals. Rami season three is back, and while I thought two was really good, or I thought I thought two was good. <laughs> Wasn't better than one. Mm-hmm. I think three is better than one. I think three is better than one, and I'm not even finished with three. What this man is finally doing in this show is just feeling so comfortable and leaning into his awkwardness, uh, leaning into that whole uh, psychologically evaluating himself through a narrative episodically (laughs) that works so well. Now that he's in his, uh, his season three and you've established all of the characters, you know who everyone is, you've seen their ups and downs, um... And I think he's just been killing it in this. Uh, also, having seen Mo recently, mm. uh, which I think he plays one of his cousins in yeah. this, and I know he, I think he was, might have been a writer. Him doing his own stuff as well. It, they're just perfect things to binge back to back from each other. But uh, just off of the first couple of episodes, he's now trying to take his new business of being a jeweler to the next level without his uncle, and that brings a whole other set of responsibilities, especially after, without spoiling season two, the fallout that happened there. I'd say season two is very depressing. Mm-hmm. Season one was funny, you're getting introduced to him. Season two was like, what if he was like miserable and everything <laughs> he knew didn't work out? Season three is his like trying to get back on the come up. And I think it's because of that kind of uh, rascal type of nature of him trying to prove himself again right. that it's just, I don't know, it's more invigorating. I think the jokes are hitting. Uh, way better than season two's where and like I don't each episode has a really nice structure to it um I highly highly recommend watching Rami season three uh easily at the top of my list if it wasn't for one more Hulu show that's back that's giving us 10 out of 10 episodes Rami's close though uh I hope you get to hop on Rami when you can yeah I'm, I'm definitely gonna try and catch up with Rami as soon as I can uh I because I'm, I'm behind I didn't even catch uh season two because two? two was the one with Mahershala mm-hmm. and uh it, it, it was just a little darker. It wasn't as... It was, like, more depressive yeah. funny. 
this time around, it's more like he's back to his awkward, funny, like, should you be saying that? Mm-hmm. Like, Let's break down why I shouldn't be saying that. And he just goes on for a bit for like I too feel, long. And this is sort of my, just my perception from the outside of season two that season two, he was also like maybe trying harder to make some statements. Yes. And does it feel still like he's he's trying to like say a lot or is it a little bit more just streamlined comedy? It's not that he's saying a lot. But that he's like, so instead of talking about something from the outside, he puts himself within the scenario and goes through it instead of telling you what the scenario is from the outside, if that makes any sense. I wish you had seen one of the episodes to know exactly what I'm talking about. But he's trying to live it more than he is trying to tell you. And that was the problem with season two here, right? It's him telling you everything from an outside perspective. Um, And he's going to different locations, I'll say that. And it's him going to different locations that I think really helps uh, the development of his character. Cool, cool. All right. Definitely excited to get into Rami, uh, but let's talk about your your number one. What is the uh, show that I'm desperately upset with myself for not having seen yet, but I, I don't know. I was talking to you about this. I don't know how I'm, this happened, bro. I'm worried about not having that much of it left. Do you remember season one? I love season one. Do you remember season two? Season two is amazing. Do you remember how you would never shut up telling me? To make sure that I catch up on Atlanta. Yeah. And now who's the one cut up in Atlanta? <laughs> How the tides have turned. You don't want to watch it. I know. Because like we said, uh, once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. But it's worth rewatching because I think all of these episodes I have seen twice already. The newest season of Atlanta is hitting on every cylinder possible. If three was done doing kind of an anthology, uh, almost short series, uh, this is them taking their characters to... To the limits, I want to say. I think they're pushing each character uh, as we've known them and seeing like what ticks with them, what their next uh, progression is going to be. Uh, one of my favorite ones has been episode three, Born to Die. I think it is a perfect episode. This comes from, and I believe there's the Evil Sisters still get credited as one. I'm going to call them the Evil Sisters. <laughs> they did this episode. They had done Hunt for Jesus one yeah. my uh, favorites out of Sundance that's out on Peacock now and I know they're from Atlanta and they really want to do an episode boy did they do an episode I think there's a lot in this season where Gambino is venting about a lot of the stuff he's done in Hollywood he's done all the Disney stuff with the Lion King I feel there's subtle like nods to it his wins from the Grammys uh, his subtle nods to it he is finding a way to not pull the um, uh Euphoria. What's the Netflix movie? Oh, Malcolm and Marie. He's not pulling a Malcolm and Marie. It's not too self-indulgent, referential. Okay, like, that's not too... That's... <laughs> Malcolm and Marie is so past that. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. It was like, he does it in such a subtle way where it's like, one of the characters will just make a mention of the Grammys. You're like, oh, that's fine. Wait, you won one. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting... This is like you commenting, you commenting in your own art. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just been hitting on all on all cylinders. I absolutely love the season of Atlanta. We, we didn't hate three. No. But this is, I think, what people wanted from 3, and uh, it is it is superseding it in every way, shape, or form. Awesome. I am fully aware that there's only 10 episodes, so we're down to, what, six more? Six left. Uh, but even the last episode that they played, which was the Light Skin Dead, wow. What an awkward but very real scenario to be in with a family if you've ever had something this dysfunctional happen around you. I think he's just able to hit those pockets of uh, everybody knows that family member, everybody knows that awkward thing that you're not supposed to say, even though everybody knows about it, and then someone decides to mention it anyways. I, I think it's really good, dude. Uh, I like it a lot. Have you not seen one episode? Not from this season, man. I've just, you know, I, I'm just worried. I, I just... I did the same thing with uh, The Good Place, which was one of my favorite shows, and then like the fourth season came and I just didn't watch it. And I still have it. You still have it? I still have it. Because I just... Season finales make me sad, man. I don't want my friends to go away. Do you know they're not in... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I hope you do get to this one. I hope you get to this one before you get to... Oh, yeah. I I will for sure. I can't... Good place. I I love the show so much that knowing it's there is sort of just, like, eating at me. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit like what you're saying in that, like, I also want to be of the right mind and between the film festivals and... Uh, getting a little bit sick. Like I just haven't felt like relaxed. And you want to give it your with brain space? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, that just the show is so great when it's great, and and it's fantastic. Right? Yeah. So easily, without a doubt, Atlanta is at my top. Uh, the first four episodes that they've had have been fantastic. I've even I think my brother's been rewatching um, 
the, the first couple of seasons because when he first saw he thought it was a little bit weird. Yeah. And now he's getting more into it, and I think uh, it's able to bring back a lot of those crazy moments from season one and two that made it so popular uh, while very much focusing on the characters. I think that's what a lot of people thought three was missing is that you would just get like an anthology episode um, that I thought added to its themes, but uh, being able to follow the characters more head on, I think really helps this season. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Elena, we'll talk about it more. I'm Easy. sure uh, want to bring Elliot back to maybe do our favorite Elena episodes ever when uh, the series wraps up. So we'll get into that. Uh, those are your five picks. My last pick, we already talked about it a bunch, but I'm going to keep it simple. There's still more New York Film Festival up, and if you are anywhere near the New York area, you can head over to Lincoln Center and catch some awesome films. They actually just released some extra white noise tickets, I'm realizing, Ooh. for October 16th. Catch so if you it. want to catch the Bombach movie. Uh, just real quick, we'll, we'll get into our, our... Actually, you know what? We can talk about some of them in the new to see and stuff like that yeah. but any any quick highlights not reviews just like lists um, of movies uh, besides a list of movies I highly recommend going to it and definitely look out for showings that have the actors or the directors there right a lot of what, Q&A's that's honestly one of the best parts about a film festival as well uh, we've been able to go to a lot of the press conferences I don't think we've ever done that I think you guys got to do that at TIFF this year yeah so that's been really awesome you go to the screening and as long as you're there then they appear there and they have a good talk TAR had a fantastic uh, talk that they had uh, that I would highly recommend checking out because I think they're going to live stream a lot of them yeah. but uh, I always recommend look out for the movies that don't have release dates exactly so if you know that you'll be able to catch something and not have to pay what is it $25-30 then just wait for it but if like you can't wait for something like Bones and All mm. then that's a movie that we were able to catch I don't know what embargoes or whatever we have but that is a movie where I think the trailer is perfectly cut up uh, I think they dropped the trailer after we had gotten our press screening to it, mm -hmm. and uh, people woke up to it very excited. The new Luca uh, Guadagnino, Guadagnino movie. Guadagnino? Everyone but the one person who would have loved to have been in this movie, Army Hammer. <laughs> uh, Triangle of Sadness, which is also on the horizon. Yeah. That's one where I would just say, you know, wait for your AMC. You don't really have to see it unless the whole uh, cast is there to talk about it. De Umani was a crazy documentary that I'm still wincing at and where oh to put my, my contacts yeah. on. Like Ugh. you said, white noise being there super early to catch it with the cast and crew was uh, was really cool. And Saint Omer. That's all we're gonna say. Just Saint Omer. Yeah, dude. Saint Omer definitely on the top of the list. I'm gonna also throw showing up on there because you're you're catching it this week. I Attitude. caught it earlier. Yes. Really, really good movie. Uh, th there's a lot of good stuff in the festival, and we're we're not done. We got a uh, all the beauty and the bloodshed later this week, which yeah, has been very getting... hyped up. Very good reviews. You said you were really excited for a cooler climate. We're going to check out mm -hmm. tomorrow. That's one of the ones that won't be in Chicago. Yeah, um, there, there's still plenty of stuff. So we'll be talking more and more in depth about the New York Film Festival in the weeks to come here on Intercut. Do we want to uh, go to the new to see in just a second? Yeah, we got a couple of picks. All right. So before we get there, do want to give a quick shout out to our awesome patrons, the Intercuity Plus patrons, those wonderful people who are supporting the show. They are Ewan, Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Marion, Michael, D A N, Matt. We've also got our Academy level members who are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Sean, May, and Ricky. And of course, a big thanks to those producer level patrons. Awkward. And you, Denver. Thanks Ooh. so much for all your support of the show. A reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash intercutpod where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines, access to our private Discord channels on the Intercut Discord, and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings, which we are we are catching up on. We we know we didn't, but you, you know, with the film festival, there's so much stuff happening, and we're it's also like we're not even we're in the middle of it. You went to well, you did Israel Tiff, came back, had that moment to rest up because you were sick, and yeah. then New York, <laughs> and then I get back, and then to Chicago. For exactly. Weeks, and then, yeah. Well, you want to do a double up? We are thinking of a horror bracket. We yeah. don't know exactly which type of horror bracket to do just yet. But yeah. You know what? Maybe we need some suggestions for like a fun horror bracket mm -hmm. to do because there's, there's a variety of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it could. <laughs> Horror fans are also so passionate, so it's like, what do you, you're gonna do, uh, is it gonna be the present? Yeah. It's gonna be very difficult to do all the time. Is it slashes? That's the thing. The, killers, the hard final thing goes? with making a bracket is like, how do you cut Elevated it off? horror. 
Right, but and then you got to define elevated heart. Yo, I caught myself saying elevated for one thing this past week. A twenty four heart. Maybe that 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 would be a, a good way to put it. But uh, we want to do one of those brackets towards mm-hmm. the end of the month, double it up for the two patrons that we have, and then leading up to probably a November one right before the holidays uh, to catch up on a lot of the stuff. So we have not forgotten. We've got those set there uh, with a lot, a lot, a lot of coverage. Obviously, we got the tip one that we just did three hours of everything that was there. We're going to be doing a 10-hour New York one coming up and then a 16-hour Chicago one after the fact. <laughs> we have a lot of movies and stuff to put on your radar. Mm-hmm. So keep it tuned to Intercut for all your coverage of what's exciting and upcoming and new to see. Uh, we're not going to go through the full release schedule nope. this week, but there are some fun movies coming out, such as Lyle, Lyle Crocodile. Art, how excited are you to see Lyle, Lyle Crocodile? He got real mad because on Thursday, there just so happens to be a slot to fit it perfectly in there as a part of our New York film yeah. festival coverage. Our art dastardly figured out that it slots nicely into our schedule, and I have to. I'm like scrambling to think of a better thing for he's, us he's to do. He's thought of like forty other things. That there's, no, there's no show that starts. We could just like stare at the sky for a little while. It's, like, it's give into it. Lao Lao Crocodile is uh, going to be the big release of the week. I, when I went to go see my Avatar non 3D non IMAX showing in the IMAX center, uh, they were doing the premiere there. And yeah, I think Sean Lyle was there. Lyle was there. Sean, uh, and I, I could see that they have a very packed cast, which is the part that continues to get me. Javier Bardem is going way too into this movie. Our boy Scoot's in it as well. Um, yeah, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, pick of the week right here in Dolby. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing is that we we'd go see it in Dolby, so that's that makes it worth it, right? <laughs> um, is this? A, I guess it's a musical. Sean's probably gonna sing. Of course, it's a musical. It, and I love how he's supposed to have new songs, but I don't know. And it was funny because we actually did see a, a gator. Someone made a gator joke in New York Film Festival. Thing, but <laughs> we'll see. Loud, loud, the crocodile. Oh, sorry, it's not a gator. It's a crocodile. Oh my god. Yeah, you have I to. Apologize. Yeah, apologize to the crocodile community. There's also and, some and other Sean movies what? So some other movies that are Yeah, out. yeah. I mean, just little, like, kind of The Dolby bottom. sells out for Lyle. You got... <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised they did not put in Tar in the Dolby, right? Tar in the Dolby? Tar the in the Dolby would be pretty nice. It's been insane. Yeah. Uh, Tar is one of the movies we were able to catch literally yesterday. We woke up super early. We had the whole press conference. Uh, some of the best actresses of all time. Kate Blanchett was there. Mina Nina Haas Haas. is one of my personal favorites as well. Watch Phoenix if you can. It was awesome to see the the press conference and the Q&A with them. But it's one of those movies that, like, I was highly anticipating this film. Mm -hmm. It ends and you're like, wow. But the more you think about it, you're like, no, 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 no. There's, there's like, some extra things that they did in this Mm -hmm. film. And part of the Q&A disclosed some things that I don't want to talk about. It was very quiet with it one thing that i can say about this movie without saying too much about it but i think one of the things that's really good about it it, it's a kind of long movie it's a little over two and a half half hours hours, but i think its length actually contributes to why i like it so much because Mm -hmm. it's almost similarly to how i felt about drive my car is you end up spending so much time with her that when the story starts to kick in that it doesn't feel like, oh, here's the plot moving, right? The way that a lot of movies, you feel the the plot machinations and it, it feels almost like unreal because it's you you know that there's some guy writing and like, all right, we got to get to the exciting stuff. Yeah. Like this, it just kind of feels very naturalistic. And I think the ending is very similar in that it just sort of like, it picks a point in her life story to stop and it's not, it doesn't, end the movie but it almost is better off for that and we had like such an interesting conversation afterwards about all the little like bits and meanings and stuff so I'm very excited to watch this one again I'm very excited for more people to watch it it's out in New York and LA this weekend and then expanding to more cities on the 14th Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean I think there's going to be a big push for it Todd Field waited 16 years to to make another one of these and it should be in Dolby because the story is about her being a composer you also have Hilder who came in isn't just a composer. The way they spoke in this Q&A, it's like she lived and breathed this movie. Mm-hmm. She's like, there is a secret score, but not really a score because she's already composing the score for her own movie in the movie because she's playing a composer. And it's just like all the ins and outs of it uh, make it feel like a very, uh, it's 
a very well integrated movie in terms of how it uses music. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's written less like a movie and more like a piece. Yeah. Um, so we are not big music theory dudes. <laughs> Someone who is is going, like you said, is going to kill it and write this article mm-hmm. about how the flow of the movie and its timing correlates to how you write How tar is a perfect Mahler composition. It, it's, <laughs> there's a lot that it spits at you. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching it again, but uh, I, I think it has one of the best performances of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, Kate is so, so good in it. And a lot of the other performances in it are very good too, but it really is like, this is Kate's movie and she is so excellent. I, and Hilders. And, and Hilders, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh, it's going to be one that's in the awards discussion because it's not necessarily like the easiest movie to like, mm-hmm. but it's really good. It's good. Um, I also have another pick that's from the New York Film Festival that is out this weekend. I believe it's a limited release that will be expanding, but you know, put it on your radar because Triangle of Sadness is starting Sir. to get out there. The latest from our guy Ruben Ostlinder, or maybe sometimes our guy Lesso when sometimes. he makes the square, uh, but. Force Majeure, great movie. Triangle of Sadness, I think, is a little bit more in that realm than I'd say in the square realm. Yep. He's really like pushing on some buttons and creating some really interesting set pieces. Um, there's the whole sequence on the yacht here that is like one of the most deranged and like viscerally upsetting but hilarious things I've seen put to film. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, like what this is is a very cutting anti-capitalist. Uh, satire that sort of asks like what happens to people who can afford anything when the things they when they can no longer buy their way to happiness right and I don't know there's just a lot of interesting buttons he's pushing on this movie it's probably a bit over long but I think yeah, yeah exactly it's sort of part of the experience of it and I think if you can just sort of like put that idea that it's really long out of your mind you'll just enjoy all the hilarious setups and sequences and just the ways in which he's um, taking these characters and then flipping their circumstances around. I don't know. It's a very clever movie. I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was solid, too. Big fan of Force Majeure, one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I'll revisit the square one day. (laughs) It's right in the middle. It's able to do get into those pockets of like how the the human condition, how people react to certain things, especially with what their environment is. But then he just loves to do those those square moments where he's like, I'm just going to prolong a bit for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like you live in that awkwardness. Yeah. It's, it's like very white lotusy the way like he hates the rich people that he's almost talking about. But at the same time, he knows that those are the people who are watching it when you're premiering it <laughs> yeah. at Venice and at Cannes exactly. and everything. So then you have those people sitting there. Like he's, he's showing the movie to the yachts people. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something funny about that. There's also a yeah. uh, part of it. That's a little, a little too much, but um, no, I thought it was a very solid movie. I'm curious to catch it again, now knowing the, the flow and the traje- trajectory of uh, how he has the script. But if you have not seen Force Majeure, catch Force Majeure at Triangle of Sadness on your radar. But definitely, definitely make sure you go watch Lao Lao the Crocodile this weekend in Dovey Cinemas. You're just really a big fan of uh, Javier Bardem's it's be choices Javi, yeah. in the trailer. Uh huh. <laughs> do we think he like do we know if he had kids recently or something I'm trying to feel like why is Anton Sugar like hand boning it or he whatever said he's got kids bro it's gotta be they're, they're raising a family <laughs> yeah I mean we'll I guess we'll report back next week on thoughts on Lyle L. Crocodile and a whole bunch depth, of other yeah. movies from uh, New York and stuff mm-hmm. you, you'll also be back um, uh, you'll be Starting Chicago Fest soon, so yep. yeah, we got a whole bunch I have of stuff. A lot. All the stuff that you told me at TIFF, how to blow up a pipeline, how to do all that. Oh, man. I've got all my tickets reserved. I am ready. It's, it's just going to be jam-packed with movies before we get to November. <laughs> so yeah, lots of exciting stuff. No more picks? Should we wrap it up here? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all. Going about it for an week. hour. Yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week with some more intercut. We actually got a bracket coming out soon, too. Uh, we're almost done with, I think, the, the Aubrey bracket, so check out later in the week. We'll probably put that one up. But thanks again for tuning in for uh, this week's edition. You can follow me, Zach Shevich, on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at Zshevich, the Z-S-H-E-V, as in first chair violin, I-C-H, and check out my YouTube or TikTok channels, at Multiplex Show. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, on Letterboxd, on YouTube, or every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on 
Anchor, on Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I happen to like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel. Usually it's every Monday, but please leave us a comment, like the videos, consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested five star review we got a couple new ones recently that i'll i'll read soon but thank you to those of you who have and shout out to our listeners in brunei and the czech republic for putting us on the tv and film podcast charts out there like our facebook follow our instagram follow our twitter pages support our patreon all of them are at intercut pod to get updates throughout the week from art from me from all the guests we feature here on intercut and Make sure you check out our Intercut Discord in the links in the description below. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, sounds like a boring life. I hope it lasts forever.